Hello. Welcome to the Mancast Show, where I, your host, David Rantamakis, will be talking all things men and masculinity as we navigate the harsh culture of wokeism and the postmodern world. Hello, I am back, live, and active in the uh, podcast world. I think this is what, my third attempt at some semblance of a meaningful podcast show. Let's hope I get this right this time. Life has been chaos, and I am stupidly uh, bumbling through trying to figure out how to manage it. And uh, still keeping the ultra-sensitive Soy Boy Facebook censors. Or if you remember some previous work that I did, there's a certain censor, I will not mention her or Zer name, as it may be. <laughs> I, just, I just hope uh, they don't find me here. They're the ones who got me kicked off of the last profile for Fascist Book. I will figure it out eventually. I'm kind of taking notes from my superiors in the art of the podcast. For good commentary, I do like Michael Knowles and I like uh, Steven Crowder. So, um, and both of them, of course, are in dangerous territory and constantly taking hits from the social media censors. My last profile, I just allowed to crash and burn just because the censors were insufferable at that point. One thing I have learned is to diversify my presence. I'm not going to heavily rely on Facebook. I am branching out to as many other alternative social media sites as I can to stay alive during this storm with big tech and their censorship. I am still in the game. I'm just re-evaluating some things and regrouping. Anyhow... I am always going to go with the spirit of what is near and dear to my heart. Masculinity, restoring proper masculinity to society, um, grappling with the challenges of emasculation that is becoming ever more apparent as we soldier on in this postmodern world. This is not the world I grew up in, and the world I grew up in was harsh to men as it was. And this is the world I grew up in on steroids. So it's even worse now. We're further down the spiral. But lucky you. You have me as a voice of reason. See, I've been through hard emasculation. Probably worse than a lot of people have. I have suffered under abusive, toxic femininity. And I have recovered. I have reclaimed my mind and my soul as a man. And I live to tell about it. So now I get to pass on my sage advice, insight, commentary, and stupidity to you. On this show, I will talk all things masculine. We'll talk religion, philosophy, spirituality, and the social end of politics as it concerns men 
and how we are to navigate it in this weird, backwards, bizarro world we found ourselves in. On this show, I want you to leave comments. I want you to ask me questions. Give me ideas of things we can talk about. I want this show to be interactive. I want to hear from you. I want to hear what is pressing on your heart. We can make this a success. I'm taking another stab at it. Not because I want to, but because I think we need to. So let's jump in without further introduction to this first episode of the ManCast Show. And I'm going to start with, what is a man thingy? <laughs> I think it should bother almost every single one of us if I go up to the academic elite and if I go to college campuses and that sort of thing. And I simply ask one question, what's the difference between a man and a woman? And if they can't tell me in a couple of sentences, we're going to have some issues. Boys have a penis, girls have a vagina. We live in the day and age where a woman can have a penis and a man can give birth. There's a problem with that. And if you don't think there is a problem with that at all, you probably shouldn't interact with me. <laughs> so what is a man? I think over the last couple of decades, as I was growing up and coming of age, they had reduced men to hairy apes with a penis. Dumbing us down, casting us as stupid oafs. I mean, it's been all over the media. You've heard me rant about it before in other places. But we have been shamed, we have been henpecked, we have been called stupid apes and that sort of thing. Ugh, knuckle-dragging Neanderthal, fag, have fire. Beat woman overhead, drag her into my cave and rape her. That's really the image of masculinity that they have imposed on men over the last couple of decades. And they called us toxic. The emasculating of society has been a long time in coming. It's been going on over decades. Where... I finally wake up one day at 43 years old and realize I'm not allowed to be a man. Men, as they are, are not welcome in this society. And that's actually terrifying. I'm a man. I can change. If I have to, I guess. I remember seeing a made-for-TV movie years ago when I was a kid. I think it was called The Last Man on Planet Earth or something like that. And it was the future dystopian society that was completely all 100% woman. Women ran everything. It was illegal to be a man. Okay. So they had um, genetically engineered people. And, well, the plotline follows a one woman who didn't obey orders and had a male child and raised a male child in secret. Anyway, the mail got out and scared the shit out of everybody. They didn't know what to do with it. Oh, no, God, a man, what do I do with it? And, you know, I don't remember a whole lot of it. It's been years and years since I've seen it, and I can't find it ever since. But I think that is kind of getting to how I feel now, that I am a 43-year-old man. In your 40s, you are fully ripe as a man. You are everything you're ever going to be as a man. 
And so this is me, David Ransomakis, as a man presenting myself to the world. And I look at the world around me and it scares the absolute shit out of me. I got these kids there having blue and aquamarine and pink hair. And uh, they don't know whether they're a boy. They don't know whether they're a girl. They're gender fluid. They go back and forth. And uh, it's dizzying. First thing I'm going to tell you is I know exactly why we are here. Because for decades we were told that being a man is bad. And now we have the phrase toxic masculinity. And by the way, I'm going to get into what real toxic masculinity is. And it's the opposite of what they're telling you. But I think that will uh, be for another show at another time. We have boys not identifying as men anymore. And they're getting a dress put on them. Uh, go to my page. I have a commercial from Pantene Shampoo. And it is absolutely revolting if you embrace any sense of masculinity. Where a lesbian couple just took their boy, dressed him up as a girl, paraded him around. I mean, he's a young boy. He's on the young side. And they say he's a girl. That's absolutely horrifying and appalling. I'm going to tell you that no child goes that road independently of their own cognition of their own ability. You have to be groomed and indoctrinated to get there. So that alone tells me that there's a serious problem. But it's no wonder that we're dealing with this. We were told being a man is bad. It might start something like as uh, Johnny's parents get a divorce. And mom gets custody of Johnny. Dad gets kicked out of the house. And mom hates daddy. So mommy says, don't be like your dad. Your dad is bad. Don't be like him. And she throws around phrases like, well, all men are pigs. Uh, you know, very negative light on masculinity. And so then you have Johnny growing up saying, well, what am I supposed to be then? If I'm not supposed to be that, what? And Johnny doesn't have strong masculine presence to demonstrate and mentor correctly. So Johnny grows up thinking on a subconscious level that being a man is bad. And so when Johnny hits his 20s, he thinks, holy shit, I think I'm supposed to be a woman. <laughs> you know, I, that is one of many different scenarios that I heard of the thing behind this cultural transgenderism. Men are bad. I shouldn't be a man. On the flip side, I'm taking a good look at my male peers. Um, I meet a lot of women that... You know, they talk about how their men are deadbeats, they're not doing anything, they're not stepping up, and they're frustrated and they're scared. And then you've got the younger women out there that really just want a good man anyway, and they're a bunch of fuckboys. And we live in the dick pic culture, where a boy will just send a picture of his penis. And that's pretty much the extent of everything they know, because you've got young kids watching porn, and that is sexuality to them. We got a problem, Houston. <laughs> we have a serious problem. So there's a lot of frustrated women, and it's it's epidemic. I hear, anytime I talk to a woman now, it's very statistical. Frustrated with men. Men can't be trusted. They're just little boys and grown-up bodies. They don't know what to do. Ultimately, women are forced to be hard. So women are forced to be fierce. 
they're forced to take over the role of the man in the home and society, especially the single woman. There's one couple friend of ours. The guy is pretty much dead to the world. He can barely get out of bed and even take care of his kid. While his wife runs a relatively successful business, doing everything she can to keep the household financially together. So what happened? I think the answer is pretty obvious. It's what I said. Men are not given permission to be men. We're told to shut up. We're told to just do what we're told. We're expected to be soft. We're not allowed to engage the world as men, as strong, vibrant, masculine voices. We're told that we're pigs. We're told that we're sexist. We're, in, in short, we're told that we are toxic because of what we bring to the table. And then they wonder where all the men went. Um, some of you, um, the, the older generation especially, will remember Shel Silverstein. And he is known for writing children's books uh, where the sidewalk ends and, you know, that sort of thing. But he also actually did adult commentary and he actually used to write a comic panel for Playboy magazine. Uh, one of the comic strips I will never forget that he wrote and that he drew was um, there was a woman standing there with a sign saying real man wanted. So Mr. Chad, the manly man, comes along and says, okay, here's a real man. She takes out a pair of shears, cuts off his balls, then goes back to holding up a sign saying real man wanted. And if that doesn't capture where our society is, I don't know what does. Um, they say a real man is wanted, but then when a real man shows up, they beat the ever-loving shit out of him, they henpeck him, they cut off his balls and say, sit down, shut up, do what you're told. <laughs> that is literally where we are right now. Uh, as a real-life anecdote, um, I remember when I retired being a school bus driver. And it was for the same reason. I couldn't actually be a man. I couldn't actually do my job. I think one of the final things that led me to just quit was one of the kids, a black kid, played the race card on me just for disciplining his ass. And they were saying, oh, you target black people. No, I don't. <laughs> but, you know, you can't defend yourself when you're working with a private company um, contracted through the school district. You can't defend yourself. There is no defense. If they don't like you, they don't like you, and they don't have to give you a reason. And um, there was a whole lot of things that led up to it, but that was one of the key moments where I said, fuck it, I'm done. I'm not doing the school bus thing anymore. Um, and we sent my kid to a charter school. And at that school, they have a program called the Watchdog Program where they invite men uh, to show up on a volunteer basis, uh, patrol the hallways, uh, establish a presence, you know, interact with the kids, and our job is to confront bullying, uh, maybe provide a little bit of passive security, you know, that sort of thing. And, you know, my wife said, hey, that would be a really good idea for you. You should do that. I looked at her. I said, not only no, but hell no. All I have to do is look at somebody sideways and I will get accused of something. And it would destroy my life. That is an obvious setup. I won't do that. But at the same time, I understand what the school is saying. The school is saying, we need solid men of character. We need men as role models in our schools. And I understand, yes, absolutely you do. But when a real man shows up, <laughs> you want nothing to do with that. 
That's how it is. It's a sick, twisted little game they're playing with us. What they really want is they want a good boy. They want the hairy ape with a penis just to do what we're told and act stupid. That's what they want. They almost want a glorified pet that can be trained to be a good boy. And I'm not going to do that. So what is a man? Let's talk about things that I believe. You can disagree with me. Fine. Argue about it politely. Things that I believe are required to essentially be a man. Um, not just the physical ape with a penis, but mythically, psychologically, spiritually, a whole man. Number one, first and foremost, in my spiritual journeys, the one of the very first things I was shown by God, the universe, whatever you want to call it, is authority. A man has authority. Now, a lot of people will take that to mean that I'm going to be a tyrannical brute controlling everybody. That's not necessarily so. In fact, a lot of these tyrants of the past, I would wonder if they had masculine issues of their own. We're going to get into that. What I mean by authority is a man is in control of himself. It's a shift of your center of gravity. Now, we were brought up as boys with our center of gravity depending on the system, depending on our adult peers to show us the way and teach us and guide us, which is good. We need those adults in our lives as authority so we can learn, okay? And that's why you have parents. And, you know, I think the weight of, a sh of authority, the center of gravity has shifted from the father to the school system. And I was brought up, and most of us were brought up, to believe that the school system was the authority. And I'm seeing that more and more apparent as I age, that the school system has a very powerful teacher's union, and they are the authority, and they assume that position, the center of gravity, is on them. One of the biggest things I had to do before I did anything else in my life was shift my center of gravity to myself. And if all I had authority over, and another word for authority is control, um, if all I had authority over was my breathing, so be it. I would breathe like my life depended on it. I mean, it literally does, but you know what I'm saying. I gave everything I had to breathing. I'm in control of my body. And through therapy and a lot of really good books, I learned how to control what I think and how I think. I learned how to control my emotions. I have authority over everything inside of my body. I am in control. I am master of my house. And if that's all I ever am allowed to control, I will control that. Now, God has put me in a place, the universe, I know I try not to get too religious here, but uh, we're going to get into religion later, by the way. Um, I have control over me. And now I am also in my household and out of the flow of energy that I have controlled for myself, I take control, I take the reins of my household due to chance and circumstance. I had a long, bitter fight with my wife for a couple of years over who was going to work and who was going to stay home with the kids. And guess who lost? I did. But I went kicking and screaming all the way because I knew it wasn't right. But I could no longer contend with her. Nobody supported me. Nobody had my back. I was pretty much stuck 
with being a stay-at-home dad. Now, I had a choice. I could bitch about it, complain about it, try to get out of it every which way. That would have only made my home life worse. I started to see that. And when I got home for the first time, stopped working, I noticed that my kids were disrespectful, um, out of control, undisciplined. And I said, okay, I need to find a place to start. This is where I am. I'm going to accept it. That's uh, one thing they teach you in the martial arts. I've trained in Kung Fu. And they tell you, you accept the blow. You accept the attack of the opponent. I think this is more Aikido and Jiu-Jitsu. You go with the momentum of the attack. Say somebody punches you. You take control of their fist. You don't resist it. You don't try to stop it. You take control and you use the momentum in your favor. And that's kind of what I ended up doing. And there is a phrase that I like to call radical ownership. A man takes ownership. And radical ownership is you take ownership of everything. Now, in therapy, we were taught radical acceptance. No matter what it is, you just accept it if you can't change it. Help me to accept. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. Courage to change the things I can. Wisdom to know the difference. If you've been in AA, if you've been in any kind of recovery or therapy, you know that prayer. <laughs> Acceptance. Now, I took it a step further on my own, and I said radical ownership. Not only am I going to accept things how they are, I'm going to own it. No matter what life throws at me, I'm going to take control of it. I'm going to be in control, and it's about authority. I shifted my center of gravity to me. I anchored my butt, and I dug my feet in, and I took control, and I took authority. I like to use this example. Let's say you had a rich uncle. He dies. You inherit a uh, some real estate. Um, you go out into uh, out into the uh, property to see it, and the house is a shithole. Broken windows. It's it's basically falling apart. You've got homeless squatters in there shooting up and defiling the place. Obviously, nobody's gonna buy it. It's unsellable, but it's yours. You have to figure out what you're going to do with it. Taking radical ownership and say, okay, it's mine. I'm going to do everything I can to flip it and make it good, and then I can sell it or I can um, live in it. But I own it. I take control. I decide what happens with it. I'm going to flip it, and I'm going to make good on it. And so that's what happened when... I was reluctantly dragged kicking and screaming into being the stay-at-home dad is okay. I accept the blow that was dealt me. I can't get out of this. I mean, technically, I could walk away and leave, but I don't think that's very masculine either. I think that would have caused a lot more problems than it would have solved. And my wife was passive-aggressively nudging me towards that direction. I said, nope. Okay, I'm going to stay here. And I'm going to take radical ownership over the situation. I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it on my terms, and I'm going to do it my way. And so far, I'm pleased with the results. And during the course of that time, I realized why it was absolutely essential for me to come back home and stop working. Because I saw the socio-political landscape, and I realized, well, it wasn't just about me. There is something terrible going on in our schools. And I learned that through Zoom meetings and uh, distance learning during the COVID shutdowns. 
and I said, nope, I'm yanking my kids out of these schools. I'm at a homeschool because there are some terrible things going on in our curriculum. The COVID-19 2020 year was a window of opportunity for me to see everything in all of its glory going on behind the scenes in the school system. And so I took radical ownership as, okay, I'm going to be the full-time homeschool dad. That's So that's what I'm doing now. I took radical ownership. So the first thing I'm going to tell you, what is a man? What is required for masculinity? Is you take charge. You take control. You own you. You control your space. You own your domain. Everything else about a man's place in the world flows out from that. I have a philosophy. If you build or embark on anything, you start from within and go without. Again, I started with my breathing. I started with taking control of my mind, control of my body. I tell my breathing what to do. I tell my mind what to do. I tell my body what to do. I'm in control. I'm in charge. Okay? This, by the way, is how you overcome addiction. Just FYI. You are in charge of you. Okay, so you start from within. You move without. I moved without into my household, getting my children under control, getting my wife under control. I know that's controversial, but yes, these women are out of control, but... You know, we already explained why. Wow, you sexist pig. Men have to step up and take radical ownership of their households. Even if you're making the unpopular decision. Even if the feminists will squawk at you. Okay? Because the feminism and all this shit is what got us here. And it's going to take a hard push back in the other direction. Even a harder push. And even a more forceful push than how they got us here. And a lot of men are scared to do that. And I'm starting to see prominent men in our society. They're starting to do that. And I think Donald Trump, the alpha male president I look up to, has shown me that it's possible. Has shown me that it doesn't have to be this way. And I drew from Trump's energy while he was in office. And I made it my own. Yes, I like Donald Trump. I think real men have to like Donald Trump. If you don't, you're not a real man. Okay, I'm not going to say that. You're entitled to your political opinion, and I am entitled to be right. So, <laughs> Now, seriously, if you embrace all the concepts of masculinity and we disagree politically, that's fine. Just so you know, I'm the man and I'm right. The next thing required for masculinity, and this is another unpopular one, I'm going to say the R word. You need a religion. Okay, now I know even today's Christians will say, oh, religion's bad. We were brainwashed to believe religion is bad. No, it's not. And I think it's because we're not quite sure what the word religion means. Now, when I say the word religion, their minds automatically go to authoritarian rules, do this, do that, blah, 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 blah. Okay, and if that is really what religion is, I would agree with you. Yeah, that's stupid. A man needs a religion and he needs a god. Okay, I'm not going to tell you which religion. I'm not going to tell you which God. That's for you to figure out. Personally, I go with the Judeo-Christian Bible. And I go with Yahweh God for so many complex reasons. And what I, okay, what I mean by religion. Let's talk about the word religion for a second. Religion is the framework. It's the structure you need to build your life. You can't build a life in chaos. Okay? You can't build a life without structure of some kind. 
we aren't originators of our lives. We are the created. So we need a blueprint to go by. Okay, and I found the blueprint that I'm going to build my masculinity and my life around. I found it. Okay. Um, religion is structure. Religion is order. To manage your spirituality and to manage other parts of your psychology. When I was a child, I was given firm rules to follow. People giving me those rules now at 43 would de be deemed laughable. But my five-year-old has rules that I don't follow because I'm not five. But he has to follow them because he's still learning and he's still developing. I'm studying Kung Fu and I was reading a really good book on the subject. And uh, one of the things they said is there is a concept of going from form to formlessness. The beginning student has form. He has structure. There's a way to do it. You learn from the masters. It's all about learning technique. You do it their way. You do the prescribed blueprint for kung fu and then you go to formlessness where you no longer need that structure you have mastered the fundamentals you've mastered the techniques you've mastered the basics then you move on into the realm of theory where you figure things out and you play a little bit and then you actually start to have fun and then after that you actually become the teacher and i am at the point where i am constructing my own martial arts style that I will eventually be teaching others because they will tell you teaching is one of the best ways you can learn and teaching my five-year-old son the martial arts has actually forced me to learn it better and has forced me to do it better and become a better martial artist same thing with religion same thing with spirituality you start out with the rules the basics the Apostle Paul in the Bible said this. You have the rules. You do your baptism. Don't sin. Don't do that. You know, all the basic stuff you learned in Sunday school. And then he said, you move on. You get into the meat. And the problem is nobody's moved on. We're still stuck in kindergarten and we haven't been taught to grow up. I have a grown-up faith. Nobody dictates my faith to me. Nobody tells me what I should believe. Nobody tells me what theology I need to adhere to. I decide that for myself because I have mastered the theory of the Bible. And I make up my own and I run with it. That is spiritual maturity. That is what spiritual maturity is all about. And then you teach it, blah, blah, blah. A man needs religion. A religion also gives him a bigger story to fit into because it's not all about you. I tell my five-year-old, who's very demanding and, you know, very egocentric as the youngest child. <laughs> and I have to tell him, I say, it's not all about you all the time. It can be about you sometimes, but it's not all about you all the time. And he starts to understand that. Um, it's not all about you. If it is all about you, if you have no relation to the whole, if you have no relation to the universe, where you fit in, what you offer, what you are obligated to do for the universe, what you are responsible to for the universe and to society... You don't have anything. And for that, I would say you are an incomplete man. You need the bigger story. You need the transcendent. It has to be beyond your animal drives. It has to be beyond fucking and eating and pleasure and every form of luxury. It has to be beyond you just building yourself 
um, your wealth, your empire, or whatever it is you want to do, pursuing your own dreams. It has to be bigger than that. You have to understand how you and your family and everything you do fits into the larger picture. And that is the lesson I am learning now that I have learned in the last year. Okay, a year ago, I learned to reclaim myself as a man. I relearned the concepts of radical ownership and authority. This last year, I learned where I fit into the bigger picture, what I am obligated to do for society, and that's one of the reasons I'm doing this show. What I am responsible to, the more transcendent story, so to speak. There is a God with a higher purpose. There is a God that I'm accountable to. A man has to be accountable. So with religion comes accountability. There has to be something bigger than you, and which are usually our community tribal elders. If you go to church, you have your church leaders, or at the very least, you have a government. And I think we're all becoming disenchanted with government. Um, there has to be something bigger than humans. There has to be something outside of limited, finite humans to be accountable to. There has to be the objective, final authority that's immutable, that doesn't change. Oh, we call that God. So that's essential for being a man. You have to have religion. But people will say, well, religion's bad. Religion's toxic. Religion's corrupt. Yeah, and I'm the poster child for that. I wrote a couple books on the subject. There is a right way to do religion, and there is a wrong way to do religion. I'm going to tell you I will respect a religious man more than I will an irreligious one. There's a certain depth and a certain dimension to his life that he has that other people don't. I don't always agree with his religion. I don't agree with his theology. I don't always have to agree with what he says. But I respect him. He has a certain other dimension to him that makes him more solid and whole as a man. Some of the uh, talking heads and the people out there, the commentators and that sort of thing, in uh, social media land and podcast land, they are Catholic. I don't necessarily agree with the Catholic religion on all points, but I respect them because they have that richness, they have that depth, and they have a substance to them because their lives are about more than just getting rich and living your lives and chasing your dreams. And I think just getting rich, living your life, chasing your dreams is actually still kind of childish. So you need that other dimension. Um, on a final note, and this is all I'm going to say about religion, is religion is a precursor to modern psychology. And in my opinion, if religion is done right, <laughs> it's not. Don't get me wrong. It's not done right. In fact, it's terrible. I have a lot of scathing remarks for today's Christianity. Um, but if religion is done right, it is actually better than therapy. Now, I had to go to therapy to understand a lot of basics. Um, then I was able to understand my religion better. Um, I was given a great book. It's non-religious. It's objective. There's no specific religion it favors. It's called The Spirituality of Imperfection. And I found that book while I was in therapy. My therapist recommended it for me, and I bought it, and I read it, and I love that book. It's an awesome book. The Spirituality of Imperfection. Look it up on Amazon. It's definitely worth your time. And it gave me a fuller understanding of of religion and why it's important and once i understood that i'm like okay i'm a religious man um and i embrace all the finer details of religion and spirituality but religion is oppressive and tyrannical i'm actually going to do another show on that later on but right now i'm just going to say a man needs religion for all the above reasons that i described so the uh, next thing required for masculinity 
is patriotism. You have to be patriotic. You have to love your country. You have to love your community. And you have to be loyal to it. And if you would have told me that a couple of years ago, I would have said, fuck you, get out of my face. <laughs> there was a time I would have sided with Antifa. There was a time when I would have sided with the BLM shit and I would have been anti-cop, blah, 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 blah. Um, then what happened is I said, you know what, I'm just going to get away from politics altogether. I'm just going to get in entertainment, writing, do my own thing. And then the lockdowns happened. And people say, well, I don't want to get into politics. Well, politics came beating my door down in the form of lockdowns. A brutal, iron-fisted decision made by one governor overstepping all constitutional processes and checks and balances shutting down our state forcing us to wear masks and I said well I don't have much of a choice because politics came kicking my door in okay <laughs> and then there was uh, our city Spokane actually had a mini Antifa riot I thought it was kind of cute in comparison but that was enough to get me awake I'm like am I awake yet what do you really believe what do you need to do with your masculinity? What do you need to do with the power that you found? And my mission was we need to reopen the state. We need to reopen the state. We need to reopen businesses. We need to get out of this. This is going to destroy your economy. And so I went on a fact finding. I wanted to find out who was doing what, who's getting involved, any organizations I could join. And um, I went to a rally they were holding to protest the lockdowns. And I discovered an organization called the John Birch Society. And say, okay, I'm going to sign up with them and see what they're about. And the guy who kind of introduced me to everything, um, he was very well put together. And he's a man I respect. And I think he he was, he's, his voice, his speech, and everything he has said has inspired me to take it to the next level as far as my journey into manhood. One thing in our conversation that really struck me as odd is he called me a patriot. And that was the first time anybody ever called me a patriot. Like it just sat funny and felt weird on my ears. Like, and then we, you know, we got into the conversation and just started. You know what? I am a patriot. <laughs> and it was kind of empowering for him to call me that. And then I realized being a man is being a patriot. You love and defend your country. Now, does that mean I have to like what the American government does? No, absolutely not. In fact, it's very American to protest what your government does. That's the point of being an American, is you are free to voice your protest. You're free to be disgruntled. You're free to address grievances with your government. That's part of it. If you don't do that, I don't think you are an American. So it kind of gave me a missing part of my journey into being a man. It's become patriotic. I voted. I started calling my congressman. I started calling my city council and voicing my concerns. Very American. I said, what the hell? I'm going to fly the flag outside of my house. I'm a patriot after all. I didn't even know it. A man has a duty and an obligation to his country. To fight for it. To defend it. To love it. To get out there and haggle with politicians, or even get into political office yourself. That is a responsibility of a man. This is another playing out on a bigger scope of taking radical ownership. Remember I said move within, without. So I'm building out now. I went outside of my household, and religion was the path outside of my household realized that I fit into a bigger picture. The year 2020 showed me the bigger picture that I fit into and why 
I need to do what I do, what my obligation, my contributions to society needs to be as a man, and the part that I play in this revolution as we're moving into a new world, not only for America, but for the globe. So I build from within, out. So yes, you need to be a patriot, you need to be active in your community, you need to take radical ownership. This is what I teach my kids. I teach my kids the same model. Build from within, move out. And they're going to understand these the building blocks and the responsibilities and everything that make a man a man. A few more things. What else does a man need to have in order to be a man? Now, I'm not going to paint you some kind of mythic Hollywood-generated stereotype that you need to fart a lot and grunt and do stupid displays of machismo and crush beer cans on your head and act like a total douche. No. <laughs> That's stupid. I'm not going to tell you to be like Clint Eastwood, although I have liked a few characters that he's done. By the way, while we're on the subject, watch the movie Gran Torino. In my opinion, that's the last great masculine movie about what it is to be a man and a patriot and all that good stuff. Watch it. It's awesome. It's actually borderline mythic proportions. Anyway, a man needs to know how to do a few things. First thing you need to know is you need to understand tools, how they work, you need to be able to do basic repair jobs around your house, basic maintenance jobs. I would say for your car, but cars are almost getting impossible to work on. <laughs> I have gone through a headache with my um, 09. This is just 2009 Toyota RAV4. So much electronic shit that you absolutely need to be a computer geek just to figure out how to repair. And I just don't have it in me to be a computer geek. If you can be a computer geek and you know how to fix all that crap, honestly, you're awesome. But a man needs to know basic tools. You, you do need to know how to change a tire. You need to know how to change your own oil. Um, you need to know how to fix stuff around the house and build simple things. Just do simple projects. If you don't know how, Home Depot offers classes on all kinds of cool shit. There's all kinds of cool shit on YouTube. I'm going to take on the project of learning how to build my children a simple treehouse in the backyard. Okay, You need to know how to build things. You need to know how to work with your hands. Another thing a man needs to know how to do is plant. Plant a garden. Grow food. Grow your vegetables. You know, as a supplement to, you know, your grocery bill. Just so you'll understand the connection of sowing and reaping, there's so many deep principles concerning just growing a garden. I'm going to say one thing. Men who are close to the earth understand reality. Those who are so far removed from the earth, like they live the big city life, they don't plant their own food, they don't work the soil, they have no clue where their food comes from, they are detached from reality and they become insane. And then we have all these Antifa kids running our streets. So I believe essentially a man needs to know to some capacity how to work the soil, how to grow your own food. A man needs to know how to kill. And I don't necessarily mean kill another human being. God forbid you ever end up in that situation. I hope you don't. A man needs to know how to hunt. Kill another animal, and I've done that before. At least fish, okay? 
But yes, with that, a man needs to know how to fight. I am a martial artist. I have a basic understanding of the fight, how to defend myself, and I'm perfecting it, as I said. I have an, a, a variety of weapons as an arsenal in my house. I have melee weapons. I have a compound bow. I own a couple of firearms. I have to be willing to fight to protect me and mine and to protect my community. I have to be able to do that. That is what a man has to do. And right now, that is also under attack in our society. They don't want men to do that. I'm starting to see a pattern here. They don't want me to own guns. They don't want me to fight. They want me to be nice and submissive. But not only that, they don't want me to have police. So I'm not allowed to protect myself. I'm not allowed to have I'm not allowed to have police protect me. I'm starting to see something dark and sinister at work. Okay. And that's when I put my foot down. No, I have to be able to protect me. I want police officers to protect me. That's a whole other subject in and of itself. But a man needs, needs to know how to fight. He has to value the idea of protecting his domain, defending it from terrible people. On that note, I do want to make something very clear. I despise gun nuts. I despise trigger-happy rednecks. I despise the type of person who says, You come on my property, I'm going to shoot you. You know, you're a little too excited about killing another human being. I have a personal philosophy. It's controversial among the uh, gun rights crowds, but it's kind of where I am now. I honestly don't know what I would do when I'm in this situation. Hope I never end up in this situation. Right now, I have a philosophy of shoot to maim. I have a shotgun. It's very easy to destroy a kneecap and still keep a person alive. Okay. I don't want to kill a man. And no sane human being does. I get derive no pleasure from the idea of killing a man. And if I ever have to, I know it would destroy my psyche and I would have to spend some, a good deal in therapy. And you talk to veterans who have been in combat, they will tell you that. They will tell you that they hate the idea that they had to kill a man, but they did what they had to do for their country. Anybody who has a gun collection says, okay, we're going to run into battle, we're going to fight the tyrants, and I'm going to kill those Antifa shits or whatever. Shut the fuck up, you're an asshole. You don't understand it. You should not have a gun. Don't get me wrong, I'm not into that kind of gun control law, but I'm going to express my opinion. You shouldn't have one. You have a right to, but you shouldn't. Because you scare me. <laughs> that kind of person, no, you're a fucking idiot. And I will also tell you that you have probably substituted your penis with a gun. Rethink your life. Get religion. Be accountable to God. Okay? That's the first thing I'm going to tell you. <laughs> a man is willing to kill. A man is willing to fight. But that's not his first priority. He really doesn't want to. There's an old saying. Never give a sword to a man who can't dance. If you don't understand beauty, if you don't understand the love of life, and you don't understand the richness and the depth of religion and culture, I wouldn't trust you with a gun. You have to be able to dance. You have to be able to appreciate and value life. And a person who values life understands that war 
is sacred, understands that there's, first of all, war should not be. You don't want war. You don't want the mess and the hell of violence. And, you know, people today are saying, bring on the civil war. Let's go kill these assholes and take our country back. Okay, you're an idiot. Or bring on World War Three. We'll kill Iran. We'll kill China. We'll... No, shut the fuck up. You're an asshole. <laughs> war is not a good thing. It's literally what they say. War is hell. You don't want that. You don't want the long-lasting repercussions of a civil war on American soil. It could be devastating for decades. Look how Vietnam played out. Look at the civil wars constantly going on in Africa. It's hell. It is literal hell. You don't want that. You want peace. So, a seasoned, mature well-rounded man will first seek peace. Finally, this is my last thing and I'm going to go. A man needs to be well-read. He has to have a good library. I have a list of recommended books that I think are crucial to masculinity. I'm not going to rattle them all off here, but you need to have a good grasp of the classics. I'm going to take my kids through uh, Mark Twain's works, uh, Tom Sawyer, Huckleberry Finn, I recently ordered a set of novels, a trilogy from Ingersoll Lockwood. Get into the classics. I like H.P. Lovecraft. I, um, you know, I thoroughly enjoyed, um, you know, some works from Charles Dickens. You can, you know, even Edgar Allan Poe had a lot of good things to say. And of course, if you're a political thinker, uh, George Orwell's 1984, Aldous Huxley. Aldous Huxley, I absolutely love him. He's a very well-rounded man. And he has a really good understanding and a good grasp of anthropology and understanding the human condition. And he has a great voice in the political arena. I absolutely love Aldous Huxley. One of my favorite all-time books I consider a must-read is by Robert Bly, Iron John. He really does capture a lot of the masculine heart. And his works have resonated deeply with me. I absolutely, he's a little more liberal than uh, I care to, but I've gleaned from him and I'm going to give props to the masters. If you're Christian, John Eldridge is always a good author to go to. He actually started me off on my journey when I was a Christian. I just took it to levels that I don't think he ever intended and I left the Christianity as it is the contemporary Christianity today and struck off on my own, but I actually springboarded off of John Eldridge's works. Look, there's tons of books out there, but you need to be well-read. You do need to have a good library. You need to have an established philosophy, which is why you need to be well-read. You need to read C.S. Lewis. You need to read A.W. Tozer. He's a great theologian and philosopher. You know, great minds all through the generations, they worked hard, they lent their education and their blood, sweat, and tears so they could build civilizations, so they could build worlds, and of course, read the Bible. I'm not asking you to believe the Bible. I'm not asking you to agree with the Bible. I'm asking you to give it some serious study and thought, to, a scholarly approach to it. Really dig deep, because whether you like it or not, the Bible has shaped our culture over the last 2,000 years, and it'll really help you understand our world. 
You have to know the Bible. And I listen to people talk about the Bible today, and they're complete and utter idiots, both Christians and especially the anti-Christians and the skeptics. They have no clue what the hell they're talking about. And this day and age, I find very willful people that won't hear it. <laughs> they don't even want to understand the Bible. But religious illiteracy is rampant. Yes, you need to read the Bible. Be a well-read man. Have a good library. And that, my friends, is a man thingy. I will catch you next time. On the Mancast Show. Ah. Ah.